All right, if you would take your Bible then and turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Good to have some visitors with us today. Appreciate them being here. Trust you make them feel welcome. Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to start reading at verse 43. Matthew 5 and verse 43. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. The title of this message this morning is, Be as your Father. Be as your Father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to be assembled together. Thank you for the Word of God, which we can open and study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. I pray, Father, as we look into this topic this morning, uh, fathers, I pray that you give us understanding and wisdom. I pray that you'd help me as I preach and give ears to hear and hearts to obey. May we all be encouraged and challenged in our walk with you. And Lord, if there be any this morning in our midst who do not know the Lord as Lord and Savior, I pray that the Spirit of God would bring conviction, repentance, and we pray that you would be glorified. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Scripture uses the word Father over 1,100 times in the Bible. Somebody has said a good father makes a great difference in a child's life. He's a pillar of strength, support, and discipline. His work is endless and oftentimes thankless. But in the end, it shows in the sound, well-adjusted children he raises. The word title father, the word father means a man who exercises paternal care over other persons. Paternal protector or provider. To assume as one's own and to take the responsibility of. Now, there are a lot of men in our world today that call themselves fathers, but sad to say, don't meet that description. Your irresponsibility on the part of the fathers is one of the great tragedies of our society and is probably the leading cause of the downfall of our nation. And I'm not racist, but that's the greatest problem in the black community, is fatherlessness. Because of the the, uh, uh, liberalism has ruined and is seeking to ruin the role of father. Our culture wants to do away with a patriarchal society. But that is what God has established for the safety keeping 
of society. Uh, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, 24 million children in America, one out of three children now live in a home in which a biological father is absent. Increasing father involvement in their children's lives is one of the most important ways to address material and spiritual poverty in this country. One way we can do this is to reiterate the importance of fathers and the difference their presence makes. Almost every study conducted in the social sciences confirms what the Bible teaches. Fathers matter. Unquote. Heritage Foundation, June 15, 2018, titled, an article entitled The Importance of Dads in an Increasingly Fatherless America, said, quote, From education to personal health to career success, children who lack a father find themselves at a disadvantage to their peers raised in a two-parent household, unquote. In 2017, Heritage Foundation article reported that, quote, routine family bonding activities like reading bedtime stories, eating meals together, have a profound effect upon children's educational development and psychological well-being. Simply put, dads, we need you, unquote. Now, I know that there are single parents, single moms that do a great job. That's not God's design. It's not God's design. And it does have an effect. You know, I know many times mothers are praised as the most important person in the house. But God doesn't say one's important and one's not. Or one's most important, more important than the other. What we see here is a two-parent household. But that father role is very key to success and well-being of children. He's a pillar of strength and support. You know, one of the things that I learned growing up was, you know, my mother, she would have been characterized as one of those old-fashioned, mean mothers. I'm, and she had 11 children. But I remember attending a wedding of one of my siblings. And one of my other siblings' little boys were sitting behind her during the wedding ceremony. And just, you know, during the whole, whole, whole ceremony. Now, my mother is 60 years old this time. And after that service, she told my other sibling that if they'd have been her kids, they'd have gone out. And they'd have known what they'd gone out for. And they'd have came back in, too. She sat in church with her children. Well, the girls and the boys sat with Dad. See, I had respect for my mother, but I had more respect for my dad. You know, there's something about a father that just commands respect that a mother does not. And so there is importance. So this morning, what I'm going to do, I have an acrostic, what they call an acrostic, I've taken the word father, and I've, each letter is going to stand for something. First of all, fathers should be faithful. Faithful. The word faithful means a strict or thorough in the performance of duty, true to one's words, promises, vows, steady in allegiance or affection, loyal, constant, reliable, trusted, and believed. And that's a, long, that's a weighty definition. 
But being a father is a weighty responsibility. Do you realize that we fathers bear the name of God? We call God our Father. And our children call us Father. You know, our God, we were talking this morning in Sunday school about the faithfulness of our God to forgive us when we sin and repent of our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, 1 John 1.9 tells us. Our God is faithful. He can be believed. He keeps His promises. He is uh, uh, a thorough in performance of the things that He has said. He is reliable and trustworthy. First Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful by whom you were called in the fellowship of the Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. In 2 Timothy 2.13, the Bible says, If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. You know, we may not trust God, but we can always be sure that God will do, will perform what he has said. Whether we believe him or not. And we need fathers that are faithful to their word. Faithful to the word. And again, we have the example of God in this. In Titus 1-2, the Bible says, In hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. You know, God has a lot to say about lying. Proverbs 10-18 says, He that hideth hatred with lying lips, and he that uttereth a slander is a fool. Proverbs 12, 19, the lip of truth shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. 13, 5, a righteous man hateth lying, but a wicked man is loathsome and cometh to shame. You know, there were some things about my father that were not uh, as they should have been, but one thing I could say about him, he, you could trust his word. He was honest. Don't lie. It will bring shame, reproach, heartache, affliction. It will crush confidence in you. Be a man of your word. A man of your word. Faithful to your convictions. You know, God doesn't change. He doesn't change with the times, with what people want. He doesn't change for your feelings. Although he is compassionate and he does care, but he isn't going to change to suit your little whims, your whims, your feelings. He does not change. Psalm 15.4 says, In whose eyes a vile person is condemned, be honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changes not. This is the person that will walk with the Lord, that, that swears to his own hurt and changeth not. Speaking to Samuel in 1 Samuel 2, 29 and 30, the Lord said, Wherefore, kick ye at my sacrifice and at mine offering, which I have commanded in my habitation, and honor thy sons above me. You changed for your sons. You changed what I command you to suit your sons. So he's telling Eli. And to make yourself fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of my people. In other words, you, you've made yourself fat with, with all the food that they brought in, which you took, you shouldn't have taken. Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, 
I said indeed that thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord saith, Be it far from me, for them that honor me I will honor, and they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. You know, we need to be faithful to the word of God. Faithfulness to the word of God and faithful to stand on the convictions of the Bible will bring stability and consistency into your home. Fathers. You know, bending the rules to accommodate their, their desires will create instability. But faithfulness and consistency will give them stability and assurance in an ever-changing world. You know, we have a world that's constantly changing. But God hasn't changed. The, the, the parameters that God has established for marriage have not changed since the beginning of time. And the, the distinction of genders has not changed since the beginning of time. They are still male and female. God is still a holy God and will judge iniquity and sin. He will not overlook it. Faithfulness to convictions. Secondly, letter A, and I describe this as armor. Armor is a, a thing that serves as protection. In 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 13, 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 13, Paul was writing to the church at Corinth, and he, he commands them there, 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men, be strong. Quit you like men, be strong. In other words, show yourself a man. Be brave. Be willing to stand. Don't compromise. Be a spiritual man. You know, some people, some, young, you know, some men think they're big, tough guys, you know. But they fit in with wherever they go. They go to work, and so men cuss, and guess what they do? They cuss, and they tell dirty jokes. You know what? They're afraid to stand and be different. You know, all these t- big tough guys think they're tough. All they are is cowards. They're afraid to stand against what is wrong. You know, when Paul says, quit you like men, show yourself a man. Be brave. Be willing to take a stand against the, the wickedness that's in the world. To stand out. To be different. It doesn't take muscle, physical muscle to do that. It just takes... Courage, which God gives. Be brave. First Timothy five eight says, "But if any provide not for his own, especially for those of his notice the word his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel." 
The word provide here means to take thought for or to care for. And so we fathers are to provide and protect and care for those in our own house. We are their protectors. We are their providers. With our providers. We are to rule. First Timothy 3, 4, and 5. One that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For a man know not how to rule his own house, how she take care of the church of God. They're, of course, talking about a pastor. In Matthew 12, 29 says, Or else how can one enter a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man? And then he will spoil his house. So God's, again, given a comparison here that it's a man that's going to protect his house. And if that man is, is bound, then his house is at risk of being plundered or spoiled. You know, there's an interesting story in Ruth 3. Of course, Ruth goes to the threshing floor and she says this, uh, well, Ruth 3, verse 9, he said that his Boaz said, Who art thou? She answered, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. You know, she was looking or needed someone to provide for her, but also to protect her. Now, we don't quite understand this in the context because we have welfare and social services. They didn't have that back then. And a woman without a head, that is without a man, a father or a husband, which was the case of Ruth, at that time was very vulnerable. There was no welfare, no social services, none of these things so that you could live in sin and and get tax dollars from the working class to provide for your needs. There's no such thing. She needed, her need was, she needed somebody to provide and protect her. Therefore, she said, spread thy skirt over me. It speaks of protection. And so, a father is to, be, is to uh, serve as that armor of protection in his house. You know, this not only speaks of physical, but also spiritual and spiritual instruction. You know, David and Bathsheba taught Solomon, and this is interesting, to beware of the dangers of sin, moral corruption, and, and, and two things, strange women and wine. Go to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. And as fathers, we need to protect our children and instruct them and how to protect themselves as they leave our homes. Proverbs 4, verse 3 and 4, Solomon says, For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. Chapter, or verse 5 through 9, Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither climb from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Thee, love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is a principal thing, therefore get wisdom. With all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. She shall give to thine head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory. She shall deliver to thee. Now notice chapter 7. Some of this wisdom is, is uh, expounded upon here. And I'm not going to read all this for sake of time. But chapter 7, verse 26, he says, 
And he's talking about the strange woman. For she hath cast down many wounded. Yea, many strong men have been slain by her. You beware of, of immoral women. Beware. Stay away from. He says, many strong women have been slain by her. Chapter 23. And you know, there's much more there if you read it for yourself for sake of time here this morning. Chapter 23, verse 25 through 29. Again, thy father and thy mother shall be glad. She that bear thee shall rejoice. In other words, you, if you keep wisdom and do what is right. My son, give me thine heart. Let thine eyes observe my ways. For a whore is a deep ditch, and a strange woman is a narrow pit. She also lieth in wait as for a prey, and increaseth the transgressors among men. Who hath woe, who hath sorrow, who hath contentions, who hath babbling, who hath wounds without cause, who hath redness to the eyes. They are a tear long at the wine, they that go to mix wine. Uh, look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, and when it moveth itself aright. At the last it biteth like a serpent, and stingeth like an adder. And so, again, they're instructing him to beware of these things. Notice chapter 31, verse 1. Uh, the words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him, and that's another name for Solomon, what my son, and what the son of my womb, and what the son of my vows, give not thy strength unto women, nor thy ways to that which destroyeth kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink, lest they drink and forget the law, and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. Give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish, and wine unto those that be of heavy hearts. And so, in here, Bathsheba, his mother, is telling him, "Look, don't give, don't beware of, don't give your strength to women, and don't give it, don't, don't uh, uh, seek after wine, don't drink wine, or strong drink. It's referring to alcoholic wine. Stay away from it. You know, the Bible declares two things, particularly that are very destructive to men." Immoral women or strange women and wine. Drinking. Hosea says this, Whoredom and wine and new wine take away the heart. Whoredom, that's the strange women, and wine take away the heart. You know, there's a lot of people, even Christian circles are saying today that social drinking is okay. I came across this article titled The Myth of Social Drinking by Max Heyman. It's published online in April 2006. And there's a caption concerning this article. I didn't read or copy the entire the article, but there's a caption, and this is what's basically in the article. And the author says this. He casts doubts on three well-accepted myths. That so- social drinking is, definable, is a definable entity. That it is not harmful, and that it is helpful. He says those are three myths. While he notes there's no definitive proof that social drink is either harmful or helpful, the flimsiness of evidence in its favor should act as a spur to further investigation. He calls for a comprehensive, objective study similar to the Surgeon General's report on smoking. You know, they go after smoking, but they don't do anything about the alcohol. And so we can ask ourselves these questions. Does alcohol have any essential qualities? That's really what definable entity means. Is there any essential elements in alcohol? Is any of it not harmful? Is any of it helpful? We know it poisons the body. You know, the father is to protect his, fa- his family, his wife, and children from sinful and harmful things. 
That's 1 Timothy 5.8. To instruct them concerning these dangers and protect them. You know, women can be naive sometimes too. And I'm not here attacking women, but sometimes women are naive of the dangers that are out there in the world. Of course, children are. And it's our responsibility to protect them from evil people. You know, we were passing out literature in an area not too far from here, five, six years ago, maybe longer than that. And one of the men said, we should not send our ladies into that area because of A, B, and C. You know, we were just going to go in there. Ladies were just going to go in there. You know, we said, no. Don't send the ladies in there. Because, see, he was aware of the dangers. It is not a safe place for the fairer gender. Not even in daylight. See, we're to protect, to protect them from the dangers of the lust of the world and its lies. Armor. Fathers be faithful. Should be armor for the family. T, teacher. A person who teaches or instructs or imparts knowledge of or skill in. You know, in Genesis 18, 19, speaking of Abraham, the Bible says, For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, that they shall keep the way of the Lord, to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. You know, as fathers, we're to teach our children, we're to instruct them concerning, you know, in, in many things, but in particular in the way of the Lord. In Isaiah 38, 18, the living, the living, he shall praise thee, as I do this day, the Father to the children shall make known thy truth. Proverbs, we read Proverbs 4, where it talked about Solomon said, my, the things my father taught me. My father taught me. You know, we need to be teaching our children about where we came from, what we're doing here, where we're going. How to love God. About holiness. The holiness and justice of God. You know, one of the, the only things we, the ways we teach our children, our young children, is by discipline. We teach them that God is holy and God is, judge, is a just judge. is by discipline. Correction. There are consequences to wrong actions and choices. And by correction, we teach them that God is holy and just, and He cares enough to be concerned about our conduct, that He will correct us, to keep us in the right way. You know, we live in a world that no longer understands there is a God. And that the Bible is scientifically accurate. They don't understand that death and disease came by man's sin. Therefore, they blame God for all the evil that's in the world. Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says, By him were all things created 
that are in heaven and above. Verse 17 says, and he is before all things, by him all things consist. All things are held together by God. And so we need to teach our children the truth about God. Fourthly, letter H, helper. A helper is a person that helps. That's, a, that's deep, I know. That gives assistance or support. Of course, our God is a helper to us. Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Psalm 54.4, God, behold, God is mine helper. The Lord is with them that uphold my soul. Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. And so, as, as fathers, we're to help, or we're to support, we're to give assistance to our children. To our children. To our house. You know, they need training. They need to be taught. They need help learn how to do things. You know, a lot of learning how to do things can be done by, and we'll get to that next, by just watching. Watching you. But we need to help them. You know, they're going to do things that are wrong. And we need to help them to learn to do things right. Now, Psalm 103, verse 13 says, Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. The word pity there means tender affection or compassion. And we need to have tender affection and compassion to our wives and children, helping them in tough times without upbraiding them, without belittling them, without reproaching them, without, without casting in their teeth. Somebody has said, uh, a, uh, uh, and I guess this was a psychologist, but I thought it was very interesting. She, one of the things she said to, about concerning children, she gives seven things here uh, in this article uh, to help children's self-confidence. And it, she says, uh, one of the things ways you destroy a child's uh, self-image is to punish them rather than disciplining. And this is what she said, quote, Kids need to learn that some actions lead to serious consequences, and that is very true. But there's a big difference between punishment and discipline. Kids who are disciplined think, quote, I made a bad choice, unquote. Kids who are punished think, quote, I am a bad person, unquote. You see, when you punish them, you know, when you discipline a child, you should discipline them and it should be over, done. And discipline should be done, or correction, or chastisement, whatever you want to call it, should be done without berating them, or railing on them, or saying like, you know, what you might want to say, how could you do something so stupid? Or why are you so stupid? You know what that is? That's belittling. That's punishment. That's going to stick in their minds. 
Or, you know, you never. That's punishment. See, punishment, and, and she said, went on and said this quote, in other words, discipline gives your child confidence that they can make smarter, healthier choices in the future. Punishment makes them think they're incapable of doing any better, unquote. Is he helping them? When I started driving tractor, my dad got on the tractor with me, told me what to do, push the clutch in, hold the brake. If it was sitting, I was, I remember the first time I drove the farm all C. It was the smallest tractor we had. And he had the drill, the grain drill on the back of it, and he wanted me to drive it up to the field, and he was going to bring the truck that had the seed and fertilizer up to the field. Otherwise, he did have to take the tractor up, walk back down, and get the truck. And I don't know, I wasn't very old, you know, just, just old enough just to reach the pedals. And this thing didn't have power steering either. You know, the power was what you put to it. Uh, anyway, he told me, you know, you push the clutch in, and, of course, you know, the gears were first, second, third, and fourth. And over here is reverse. Well, second and high gear are pretty close. They're both back towards you, you know. Well, he said, now you put it in second gear. Well, I put it over there, and I thought I had it in second gear, and I started to let the clutch out, and it started taking off like crazy. And he said, stop, 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 you know, and I slammed on the brakes and the clutch all at the same time, and I was about to go over the bank. I put it in high gear, not second gear. But, he, you know, he helped me. He said, now you have it in high gear. He said, push it clear over against, and then pull it straight back. So I pushed it, and then I had it in second gear. See, he helped me learn how to drive that tractor. And after a while, I figured out where those gears were, you know. And so, you know, we need to help our children. Some, they, need a, they need assistance as they're growing. They need assistance to learn things, and they need instruction. And as the older they get, they still need instruction. They just need some guidance, but they need a little more freedom to do, to make choices. But we are to help them and encourage them and give them support as fathers. Number five, example. We have here, you know, the Bible says here in verse 48, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Now, we know we have a perfect Heavenly Father. None of us are perfect, but we are to be an example to our wives and children. That's, of course, a pattern or a model or something as of something to be imitated. Something to be imitated. You know, the sad thing is they, it's easy to imitate all the bad characteristics, isn't it? But, you know, we often think about Isaac making the same mistakes that Abraham did. But, you know, Isaac did some of the good things that Abraham taught him, too. When, when Eliezer was bringing Rebekah back, you know what it says Isaac was doing? He was out in the field meditating. You see, his father had taught him to think on and to worship God. And he was out in the field meditating. Of course, he also p- picked up his, his pattern of telling lies. You know, he went down into to Abimelech and told them that his wife was his sister, just like his father did. You know, Jacob taught his boys to be shepherds. And they were very, they were very good shepherds. 
but he also taught them to be deceptive. So I think many times in the scriptures you read, for example, 1 Corinthians 15, 26, And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the way of his father, and in sin wherewith he made Israel sin. But it says of Josiah in 2 Kings 22, 2, And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in all the way of David his father. And turn not aside to the right hand or to the left. Now we know that David was not actually Josiah's father, but his grandfather several generations earlier. But David had set a pattern as a king to be imitated by those who followed him. And Josiah chose to follow David's example as a king. Solomon did as well. 1 Kings 3.3 Solomon loved the Lord, walking the statutes of David his father, only sacrificed and burned incense in the high places. And of course we know in Proverbs 4 that that he said, the things that my father hath taught me. And he wrote them down and given us the book of Proverbs. We need to be an example to our children. 1 Timothy 4.12 says, Let no man despise thy youth. Be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. So in your word, in your manner, the way you conduct yourself, in charity, having compassion and concern for others, in spirit, your attitudes, temperaments, in faith, trusting God, and living a pure life. A man told a story one day, how one day he was at the window of his home when he heard some little boys talking in the backyard. And it was one of these, you know, my dad, my dad can beat your dad things, you know. And one of the little boys said, well, my dad knows the mayor. Another said, well, that's nothing. My dad knows the governor. And the third little boy, whom he recognized as his own, said, well, that ain't nothing. My dad knows God. And he said, I fell to my knees and prayed, Oh God, may my boy always say, My dad knows God. See, we need to be an example to our children. Because we bear the image of God before our children. The glory of children. Proverbs says, is their fathers. Then finally, letter R, the word father, respect. It means to hold an esteem or honor, to show regard or consideration for. Again, fathers, we are called by the same name as God. Ephesians 6 tells us, Ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You know, Matthew 5 here, this is a sermon, was called the Sermon on the Mount. Some sum it up as the golden rule, but it's really a discipleship course taught by the Lord Himself to His disciples, instructing them concerning the doctrines of the kingdom of God and their relation to one another. And you notice I said respect, I didn't say respected, because respect is something that is earned by being respectful. If you are critical, fault-finding, and belittling to your wife and your children, 
that is disrespectful. And it will be very difficult for your children to respect you. You know, don't say things like, why are you so dumb? Or that's stupid. Or you're just so lazy. You know, if they're lazy, that's your fault. That's your fault. A rodden of reproof will take care of that. You know, our God... Our God is one that we can respect because his ways are perfect. Now, there's no such thing as a perfect father in this life. And you children need to understand that. There's no such thing as a perfect father. It's sad to say, but many times the things that we fathers do, we learn from our fathers. And many times some of those things are not right. But the older I get, the more I understand that, you know, the things, a lot of things my father did were just things that he learned from his father. And so we can't excuse ourselves. We can't excuse ourselves because we didn't have a perfect father or we didn't have a perfect home. But we do need to be to show respect and appreciation. Somebody said, quote, fathers who make a difference know their role is unique and vital. A father's presence in the family would determine a child's success and happiness. An active father provides an important foundation for his children and their ongoing security, stability, and development. I realize we live in a world that's saying we need to get rid of this patriarchal society. But in so doing, they are destroying our nation. Because they are in opposition to what God established. There are many things that one would say makes a successful father. He provides, protects, Leaves a good inheritance, a good name. But the greatest thing you can pass on to your children and grandchildren is a fervent love for God that never fades. And it's demonstrated by faithfulness to His church and a compassion for lost souls. See, being a father is a grave responsibility. It's a big responsibility. It's more important than being a pastor or a president. General Douglas MacArthur said, I don't want to be remembered as the greatest general. I want to be remembered as a father who read the Bible 
with his children. Fathers, you have a very important role in this world. Realize that God has given you a great responsibility. But when God gives a great responsibility, He also gives the wherewithal to fulfill that responsibility. Faithful is He that calleth you who also will do it. May God give you the grace, the strength and wisdom to be the kind of father He desires of you to be.